Hey, thanks for tuning in to the First Monroe podcast. For more information on our church, visit firstmonroe.com. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn or click to Genesis chapter 1. I have a question for you that I want you to think about. I don't want you to answer it out loud. I just want you just to process it and think it and think about it. And it is this really, really big question of this. Why do you exist? Why do you exist? What is the meaning of life? Why are we here? You ever stop to think about that for a second? Like, what is all of this? Every, uh, your existence, just being here on earth, why? What's the purpose of all of it? You know, really this question um, has been a question that's been asked not just today. This is a question that's been asked all throughout the centuries. Of people trying to figure out, why do we exist? What is the point of life? What is the point and the meaning of all of this? Because really, when you think about life, life is hard, and there's a lot of things that are involved in life, and sometimes you just stop and think, like, what's the point? Like, what, what, what's the meaning in all of this? Is there, is there meaning? Is there purpose? Is there anything that's involved in this life? And so people all throughout the centuries have been trying to answer this question of, why do we exist? Now, there's different answers that the world and culture has come up with. There's some like this, that if you just look very deep with inside yourself, if you just dig to the depths of who you are and, and just search your heart, that one day you will find your meaning and your purpose and your existence in this life. Some people would answer that question that is happiness, that the reason why we exist is for to, to find happiness. And so for many people, that is what their search and they're after in this life is to find something that makes them happy because People would say that would be the meaning of life, to find happiness. Others would say the meaning of life, and define it this way, is it, it is to do good, to do the most good while you're here. It is, it's a short time that you're here on this earth, but at whatever time you have, the reason why you exist is to do good and to help people. Some people say it's to be successful or to be wealthy. So whatever it is you find in life, whatever it is you're passionate about, to be successful at that, to work hard at that, to live a good life, to live a good long life. Now, there's a lot of people that have tried to answer this question from a lot of different perspectives. And maybe you in your own life have, have even asked this question for yourself. Why do you exist? Whether you've thought about it or not, there are people all over the place that are contemplating this question. Why do we exist? Why are we even here? Well, if you've ever asked that question or you know someone that's asked that question, my prayer and my desire is this morning that we will answer that question. This morning, and we will answer hopefully very clearly about why you exist here on this earth, what your purpose is, what your meaning is, what is the point of all of this. And so, hopefully, we will see that from the book of Genesis this morning. So, if you take notes, here is the main idea that we will see this morning and that is this humans are created in the image of God for the glory of God. Humans are created in the image of God. For the glory of God, your purpose and your meaning and your existence is not found in who you are, but it's found in who God is. That's one of the things that we've, hopefully, if you've been with us or not been with us, that we've established in the book of Genesis. That's why we spent three weeks prior to this just looking at the foundation of God. 
who God is, because that's where the book starts with. And so really to rightly understand myself and who I am and why I exist, you have to start with God. You can't start. If you start with yourself, you'll never truly understand why you exist or what your purpose is or what your meaning is. You have to start with God. And it's in knowing God and the foundation of God that we begin to know who we are. And so in this passage that we'll look at this morning, we will hopefully very clearly see this answer, this question, why you exist. So you should have your Bible open to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look in verses 26 through 31. Here's what Scripture says. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. and In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food, and every, and every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and, and it was so. And God saw that everything he made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. Hopefully you've seen this as we've looked through the book of Genesis. If you haven't seen this, then newsflash, here it is. God is the creator of all things. Everything that you and I know, everything that we see or don't see was created by God. God created it all. God is the creator of all things. We've seen this over the past couple weeks, that this is the truth that comes out of Genesis And one of the things that we see is recorded in Genesis chapter 1 as he walks through the creation of the world. In seven days, God created everything. And on each specific day, there was a certain, there was something specific that God created. But on the sixth day, God created something different, something that was very special, something that was the pinnacle of all creation. Now, at the beginning of this, in verse 24, it actually tells us that on the sixth day, he created all the living things that are on the earth. He created all of them. But in verse 26, something changes. And something actually takes a different turn when you get to verse 26 to let us know that what God is about to create is something different and unlike anything else that He's created in all the universe. And really, it is the pinnacle of all of creation is when we look to verse 26. And it is us, humans. When he creates us, I want you to look and see what it says. Look down back in verse 26. It says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, just, just, just a brief note here. Look how it uses the plural. Let us make. This is a reference to, as we would define it as the Trinity. That God is one God, but he's represented in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see this actually if you go back to... Genesis is the very first verse. We see God created all things. John tells us he created us through Jesus. And actually says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. And so it lets us know that God is a relational God, that is the Godhead that is created. And it tells us this. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, here's something, and I've said this before, but one of the things that the Hebrews writers would do in order to show emphasis is they would repeat things. So in a sense, they would repeat things to say like, hey, you need to pay very, very close attention to what I'm saying here. And so they would repeat themselves over and over again. So what's interesting is actually in this little section of Scripture, he uses the word create three different times. Before this, 
This word is only used three times. So, so why is this very specific section? Why does he use it so frequently? He says this, let us make or create man in our image. Verse 27, so God created. In the image of God, he created them. He's repeating this word. Here's why he's doing that, to draw attention to what is being created right now is different than anything else that's been created. He's saying something is very special about what God is doing in this part of creation. And so you need to pay close attention to what's being created. And here is what is being created. It's man. And here's why man is the pinnacle of all creation. Here's why there is something different. Think about this. Think of all the beautiful things in creation. Stars, the moon, the universe, mountains. And I mean, just think of all the beautiful things. But yet he's saying there's something very special and valuable about what's being created here. And he says it's humans. And here's why. He says, because you are bearers of the image of God. He says the word image three times. Again, to show emphasis, you need to pay attention. Here is why this is different. Here's why this is set apart is because notice what he says. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. So he's trying to draw a very distinct emphasis on here's the reason why humans are different than any other part of creation is because they are image bearers. They bear the very image of who God is. This is huge, and this actually helps us understand why you exist, to understand that you are bearers of the very image of God. Now, we want to define that because you may say, well, that's awesome. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be bearers of God or bearers of the image of God? And here's what that means to bear the image of God. It speaks something very specific about our nature. Not what we do, but who we are speaks to our, the essence or the nature of our humanity, of who we are. It speaks to our nature. Uh, Millard Erickson says this. Uh, he's a lot smarter than I am. And so here's how he understands and unpacks the idea of bearing uh, the image of God. He says, Bearing the image of God involves the power of personality that makes humans, like God, being capable of interacting with other people, of thinking, of reflecting, and of willingly free. And so here's what it's speaking of. It's speaking to our intelligence, our will, our emotions. So unlike all of creation, there's something very distinct about humankind. Something that's different than animals, different than the stars, different than the moon, different than anything else. And what it's speaking to is our nature. That the nature of who we are, because we bear the very image of God, this sets us apart from anything else in creation. And so because of this, this speaks to and reveals to us why you exist What your purpose is, what your meaning is, is wrapped up in the image of God within you. So we need to unpack that and understand what that means. So if you take notes, we're going to list several things this morning, looking at the text, to remind you and hopefully for you to see of since you were created in the image of God, male and female, you need to understand what that means for us and why you were created because this speaks to why you exist. All right? Let me make note of this too. Notice it said male and female. Okay? Just hopefully you know this, but just so I can reference this, one's not superior than the other. Male and female were created in the image of God, just so that we're clear. Okay? Point number one is this. Here's what the image of God and here's what you were created for. Number one, you were created to glorify God. Number one, because you bear the image of God, that means that you were created to glorify God. The primary purpose 
of why you exist is to glorify and to point and to reflect God. That is the number one reason of why you exist and why you're created. It has nothing to do about you. That's why if you start with you, you will fail every single time. Because the reason why you exist, you exist for the glory of God. You exist for His glory. You exist to make Him known and to reflect Him. The Westminster Catechism says it this way. What is the chief end of man? And it says this, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. This is the end and be all of what it means to be a human, is you exist to glorify God. That's what it means to bear the image of God. Here's what I find interesting is this word, look back at the text in verse 26 and 27, he uses the word image. Here's what I find very interesting. Is this word image also throughout scripture is translated idol. Isn't that interesting? That this word here that's used for image elsewhere in the Hebrew text, it also means idol. In the ancient Near East, uh, in this area, the image or the idol was believed to carry the very essence of God. So in Mesopotamia, there was practices of where the king wanted to set up authority. He would set up idols of himself all over the place. Pharaoh, if you remember in Egypt, the king or Pharaoh was called the image of God. In a sense, what he was saying is that he embodied what it meant to be God or to show the essence of God. So here's what's interesting about that is here's what God is saying is that every single person bears the very image of God, meaning this, that you are called to reflect him. That's why you that's why you were created. You were created to reflect him on the earth. Here's why he placed you on the earth is so that you could reflect to all of creation who God is. You were to reflect God. You were to glorify God. You were to make much of God. This is the essence of why you were created. I'll give you an example just so that we can see this kind of practically in Scripture. In Leviticus 11.44, Scripture tells us this. This is right after Israel had been taken out of Egypt. They had been rescued. They had been redeemed and ransomed out of slavery. They had been taken out, and God is speaking to them. And Revelation 11.44 tells us this, and he looks at the people of Israel and says, You be holy as I, your God, am holy. Interesting, what he is telling them is what you are to be like is what? Him. What you are to represent to the world is just as I am holy, they are to look at you and see the same thing. Why? Because you bear the image of God. You are to reflect to the world around you who I am. Peter actually picks this up. If you remember, we took a long time to walk through the book of Peter. But in Peter, he picks this up and then applies this to the church. You as the church, you are to be holy as God is holy. Why is that? Because you are God's representative in the earth to represent his glory. That is what you are to do. You are to represent and reflect who God is. That's why it's so important that we are holy. It's not just because it's a rule. It's not to be legalistic. It's because as a believer, you are to reflect God. You are to point to Him. You are to reflect Him in the way that you love, in the way that you serve. You are to display for the world who God is. This is your primary purpose, is to glorify God. So let me just ask this question, and I'll ask this after each one of these. Are you glorifying God with your life? Can people look at your life and see God? Are you reflecting Him? 
Because this is why you were created. You were created in the image of God because you were created to glorify God. Number two, you were created to be in relationship with God. Since we bear God's image, we have the capacity to love and to worship. I've said this before. Uh, no one has to teach you how to love and no one has to teach you how to worship. Why? Because you are ingrained with it. Because you bear the image of God, you bear the capacity to be able to love, to be able to worship, to be able to be in relationship with God. And here's what that means. Since you bear God's image, it means that you are made to be in a relationship with Him. Not just to reflect Him, but to also be in relationship with Him. This is why the Genesis account actually gives us that Jesus, or excuse me, that God would walk and talk with Adam. Because humankind was created to be in a loving relationship with God. Have you ever noticed this? That every single human being longs to be loved. And if you're like, well, I don't want to be, you're lying or you're just suppressing that. Every single human being ever longs to be loved. People express it differently. People express their need for that differently. But every single human person that's ever been born has been born with this desire to be loved. Why? Because you were created to be loved. You were created to be in relationship with God. You were created to be in relationship. In a sense, in order to find your meaning and your existence, you must be in relationship to God. Augustine says this, this is one of my favorite quotes from him, it comes from the book Confessions. There's a lot of these and thous in it, so I smooth that out just so that uh, it's more normal for us. But here's in a sense what he says. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. Our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. Our hearts are restless until we find rest in you. God, you have made us for yourself. God made you to be in relationship with Him. Here's the reality. I would say this. There, even this morning, people in this place and even outside of this place, you know there are so many people that their hearts are restless. Because you have the capacity to love and to worship and be in relationship, there are people that are fleshing out and running to so many different things to find love and to find meaning and to be in relationship with. And the problem is, is nothing in creation can fill that within you. As, as Augustine says, you will be restless your entire life until you find rest in a relationship with God. Why? Because that's what you were created for. You were created to be in relationship with Him. You were created to know God. You were created to be in relationship with Him. And you were created to love Him. I mean, this thing, this is the story of Scripture. God wants to be in a relationship with you. How beautiful is that? The God who created the moon and the stars wants to know you by name, wants to know you, and wants to be in a relationship with you. What a beautiful truth for all of us to understand. And if you want to truly know why you exist, it only comes by relationship with God. You were made for it. There are so many people that deny that I wasn't made for God. That's a crutch, whatever it may be. It is not a crutch. You need God. You were created with that need, and if you don't turn to God, you will turn to something else, but you will never find rest in anything else. You are only meant to find rest in God. Why? Because you were created to be in a relationship with God. Number three, you were created with responsibility. Since we bear God's image, we are God's ambassador on the earth, and we have been given certain responsibilities. Look in verse 28. It says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
Subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every living thing that moves on the earth. So he's giving responsibility that those who are on the earth, humankind, the image bearers of God, now have responsibility with on the earth. It says this, you're to be fruitful and multiply. Men, that was your chance to amen. And you missed it. I'll probably get an email about that later, but... Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. You're to fill it. He said you're to have dominion. You're to have authority here on this earth. You're, you're to fill it. You, you, you are, in a sense, to create, to build, to make, to work. This is, this is before the fall. This is when work was fun and enjoyable. God says you're to use your, you're to cultivate, you're to be a part of the earth and you're to have authority over, you're to have dominion over, you're to have responsibility. If you turn over to Genesis chapter two, he gives them a command. He says, you can eat it from anything except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, meaning you are to obey God. We have, because we bear this humongous weight, we now have responsibility to God to do things. I think it's always good in any sermon to quote a superhero, and so I will do that now just to give you an example. You remember in Spider-Man, um, in the movie Spider-Man, do you remember Uncle Ben Parker uh, talked to Peter Parker? This is, and one of the things that ben, Uncle Ben was trying to tell his, his nephew was about responsibility. And there's this famous quote that Uncle Ben tells Peter Parker is, with great power comes great responsibility. Now, you and I aren't Spider-Man, but it's, it's the same way this applies to us. With great power comes great responsibility. You have been given an immense amount of value because of what you bear. You bear the very image of God, and because of that, there's a great responsibility that comes along with that. There's a lot of people that neglect the responsibility, but here's what you are responsible to God. Because God created you and made you and formed you and shaped you and made you in His very image, what comes along with that is responsibility to God. So I'd ask the question, are you living in your responsibility to God? Because since you bear His image, you bear responsibility. Number four is this, is that you were created to value human life. You were created to value human life. This last implication is that you were not only created to love God, but you were also created to love each other. You are created to be in relationship with one another. You are created to love one another. Why? Because we bear the image of God. So I want to, just if I can for a second, I want to dig into this one just for a second because I think this applies, all of these apply to today. But there's some certain implications that this has for us in our life. Because all throughout Scripture, this is the thing that is brought up again and again and again of why we are to live in right relationship with one another is because of we all bear the image of God. I'll give you an example. This is why murder is forbidden in Scripture. Genesis chapter 9 verse 6 says this, Whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Here's why murder is forbidden is because you are harming something that bears the very image of who God is. This is why this is forbidden. Hopefully none of you in here uh, have committed murder. But let me apply it this way. You know what's interesting is that actually Jesus takes up the idea of murder in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says this, I want to up, up you. I want to up the ante about what you think. You think it is just about 
killing, the physical act of it. He says, but if you've harbored anger or hate towards someone, you've already committed murder in your heart. Here's why that's sinful. It's because you are harming the very image of God. This is why we as believers, this is our foundation and our rock bed of even things similar to abortion. This is why we stand firm on this is because we believe that life outside of the womb is just as important as life inside of the womb. Why? Because we bear the image of God. This is the root of that. The root of that is because of we bear the very image of God, whether it's inside of the womb or outside of the womb. We care for life inside of the womb. We also care for life outside of the womb. This is why this is so important is because it's founded in this truth that we bear the image of God and you were created to value human life. Number two, this is why we are created and why we're supposed to love people. The second greatest commandment is rooted in the image of God. You know why you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself? Because your neighbor bears the image of God. This is why you're to love your neighbor. Your neighbor bears the very image of who God is. And so this idea of here's why God roots this in and why you're to love people is because every single person that you encounter bears the very image of who God is. This is why gossip and harming people with your words is so wrong. What's interesting is in the text, a lot of times you see the word gossip and things lumped with like idolatry and these shimon. You're like, well, gossip's not really that bad. It actually is extremely wrong. And here's why James 3 9 through 10 says this, with it, the tongue, talking about taming the tongue, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with, with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For the same mouth comes forth blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not be so. Here's why he says, look, you are not to speak this out of your mouth. Why? Because when you speak those things out, you are harming the very image of God. This is why racism and slavery is so wrong. This is why we stand up and say slavery and racism, the things that have happened in our nation are horrific and wrong. Why? Because they were harming the very image of God. Here's what's crazy. Slavery still exists today. There are people that are still enslaved today and we declare that is wrong. We need to fight for that. Why? Because we're harming the very image of God. This is why these things are... are, are this, These things aren't like social justice. These are rooted in biblical things. This is why we're to care about these things is because people bear the very image of God. You were created. I was created to care for and value human life. That's why this is so important. All of these things are why you were created. You were created to glorify God, to be in relationship with God. You were created to be responsible. You were created to love God people and to value human life. This is humongous good news. This is why you exist. But I have some really, really, really bad news. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I have really, really bad news. And that is this, that you are incapable and unable to do what you were created to do. All of those things that we listed of why you exist, why you were created, Every single one of us, myself included, is unable to do all of those things. You fail at all of them. We went down and and took a test on all four of these. Every one of us in this room would fail completely. In a couple weeks, we'll actually get to Genesis chapter 3. 
And in Genesis chapter 3, we will see that sin entered the picture and death entered the picture. And when sin and death entered the picture, the, hu- the image of God in humanity was not destroyed, but it was marred and twisted. Here's what that's like. Ever since I've known Kirsten, uh, we, and, and I was in her family, uh, her mom would do this for us every year for Christmas. She would buy us these silver ornament Christmas bells. So every year we would get these silver ornament Christmas bells, and it was kind of like a thing that she did, like a family tradition. And then now since we have kids, she does the same thing for our kids. Every year she, it's like these collectible things that she gets for our kids. And so now since we've accumulated some, we always put them up on our Christmas tree. So every year we pack them up in our, in our boxes like you do, probably all your Christmas stuff. You box them up and package them up. And then next, you know, next year, this year, November 1st, right after Halloween, that's the proper time to start celebrating Christmas. All of you know that. <laughs> And so there's a lot of debate about that. LeBron's up there looking at me. And so there's a lot of debate about when we start celebrating Christmas, but for our family, we usually start, usually beginning of November. And so as we start taking out, there's something that happens every single time when we start taking out these, all the stuff. We start unboxing all these things, and we start, and we get to the ornaments. And our, every, the same thing happens every time. We open the box, and as we look at these silver bells, there's something that happens every single time is that they are disgusting, they look horrible. You can't see your face in them anymore. There's like they're marred and it's like they had these blemishes all over and there's something that has to happen every single time is we always forget where we put it, where did we put the polish. And so we have to go to the store and buy more polish and we have to shine them and polish them and get them. And then they become beautiful again. They become this beautiful image of what they once were because of this beauty that is now shown out. And so this is similar to the bells. Because of your sin, the image of God has been marred within you. It has been twisted. It has been hard to understand. And so for many of us, that is not why, that is why we don't live up to the things that you were created for. Because of sin has twisted that with inside of us. Romans 3 says this. Romans 10. Uh, Romans 3, 10 through 18 says this. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together to the, they have all become worthless. No one is good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to be deceptive. The venom of the asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Their paths are ruin and misery in the way of peace they have not known. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. This is all of us. Because of sin, because the image of God in us has been destroyed, or not completely destroyed, but has been marred within us, we do not live up to our potential. We, instead of living for God's glory, we live for our glory. Instead of living in relationship to God, we go and we run after everything in creation to fill our life and to, and to fill the void that we have in our life. We neglect our responsibility and obedience to God. Actually, Scripture says this, we've rebelled against God. We also harm human life. All of us in this room, every single one of us have harmed humans. We are guilty all of us of murder. We have harmed people. We have not taken care of human life, whether it's our friends, our family, people at our workplace, our children, our kids. We have not taken care of human life. And in order, and he, look, this is really, really bad news, but here is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God in his grace and God in his goodness sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world to redeem the image of God in you and me. This is the beauty of it. You are really bad, and I'm really bad, but God is really that good that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, you can't do it. 
This is why as a church, we cannot preach moralism. This is why people are tired of churches because they've been hold, hold their whole life. Do this, do that. You can't. You can't be good because you don't have the capacity to be good. You need something to change your heart to enable you to do it. You need Jesus. This is why Jesus comes and he lives perfectly all of this. God fully and man fully, fully glorified God with his life. Fully lived in perfect relationship with his father. Fulfilled every law and every responsibility that God had for his people. And perfectly loved and cared for people that he encountered. And here's what's crazy. Is he lived the life that you and I should live. Then he went to the cross and gave his life for you. Exchanged it because you and I deserve death because we don't live up to our image. We don't live up to what we have been called to do. Jesus did. And then in this beautiful exchange, exchanges his life for mine. He takes my sin and I get his life. That's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Titus 3 says this, 3, 7, 3 through 7. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, He loved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out to us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's not because of your works. It's not because of anything you've done because you couldn't do it. It's because of what he did. And just similar to the bell, he washed you in regeneration. If I could use Jesus' term, you were born again. He makes you alive to him and he makes you the heir of all things. And here's what happens in that. Paul says this in Colossians 3.10. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Romans 8.29 says this. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Here is why Jesus Christ came to restore within you the image of the creator. To restore within you the ability to glorify God, to be in relationship with God, to do the things that God has called you to do, to live and to love in relationship with people. This is what happens when you believe the gospel. This is, Paul says very clearly, this is why we are not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God to salvation. Let me just say this really briefly, and I'm going to pray in a second. There are some of you this morning that you need to believe in the gospel. That maybe you've never heard the gospel before. Maybe you've been seeking to live your life in your own manner, in your own. You've, seek, you've tried to do this on your own and you can't. This morning, I, I implore you, even as Jesus Christ said, repent and believe. Turn from the things that you've been doing for running your own glory, the things that you've done, and turn and believe in Jesus. And you will have this beautiful exchange where he takes your life and he gives you his. This is why you exist. You exist for the glory of God. And now in the person of Jesus Christ, you are able to do that. All of us who believe in Jesus are able to live out the thing that God has called us to do. Let's pray.
God, I pray that we would never get over what you've done for us. God, to remember that we were rebels. We were in our own sin and rebellion against you. God, we didn't deserve life. We didn't deserve everlasting life with you. God, in your grace, that you demonstrated your love toward us. That you sent your one only son, Jesus, into this world to redeem us and save us and to restore within us why you created us. God, I pray this morning. God, if there's any person in this room who has not believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, I pray you would draw them in this very moment. Holy Spirit, you would allow them, God, to see, to open their eyes, to see the beauty of who you are. And God, they would respond. God, I pray for all of us in this room that are followers of you. God, I pray that we would, God, you would continue your work through your Holy Spirit to, God, to shape us and mold us and to sanctify us into your image. God, that we wouldn't live for ourselves, we wouldn't live for the things of this world, but God, we would live for you and your glory. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. The Holy Spirit, move. Move in our hearts. Move in this place. Pray this in Jesus' name.